Welcome one, welcome all to the Mildly Defensive Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, here to start getting into some divisional previews. Um, behind the mic, as always, is Matt Jordan here with my buddy Brandon Kroos. And we also have a guest, uh, really one of the, the greats from our home league, Zach Kinnicky. Uh Zach, welcome to the Mildly Defensive Fantasy Football Podcast. How's it going, man? It's going good. Thanks for having me and uh, happy to join in on this fantasy football nonsense that I get to listen to all the time. Absolutely. Um, you know, so so Brandon um, is a Bills fan living in North Carolina uh, and Zach is a Dolphins fan living in Buffalo. Um, you know, so we thought that it would be nice <laughs> to get, you know, a couple couple different vantage points. Um, Brandon, how are you this week? Good, good. Happy to do it again. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Um, well, then, you know what? I know we have a lot to cover, so then let's just get right into it. Um, we thought uh, that we would kick things off with the AFC West. So just to give you a quick rundown of how we're going to do these divisional previews. Um, so we're going to go through team by team uh, for a, a division each episode. Um, we're going to look at um, average draft position, so ADP data, um, Sleeper, uh, which, which is a, a fantasy football um, platform uh, that, that gets a lot of mock draft data. They've been putting um, some of that ADP data out there, which includes really any format that you can imagine. We'll be using some of that data uh, to give you an idea of where players are going um, and whether or not we like a player's value uh, and just give you a little bit of a rundown of these teams. Um, so to uh, to kick things off, we are going to start with the Denver Broncos. Um, you know, the, the Denver Broncos, certainly, I, I think, a very interesting team. Um, always a lot of news with the Denver Broncos, as we know, uh, just, you know, kind of getting into the draft itself, uh, the the real NFL draft. Um, Denver, of course, was the uh, the talk of the draft leading up to it because it seemed for all intents and purposes that they were going to trade for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we know that that has not happened yet. Um, but with that being said, there's still a lot of very interesting players here. Um, when, when you think about the Denver Broncos, Brandon, um, what position group kind of sticks out to you immediately as you're thinking about them? Just kind of off the cuff is like, man, like when yeah. I think of Denver, this is what I think of. I mean, I think the one thing that jumps out right away is the wide receiver group. I mean, you have Jerry Judy, who's coming into his second year. Cortland Sutton is now coming back. I mean, K.J. Hamler is a great slot receiver who um, I think can take that next step. Um, in terms of potential and their roles, like, I think this is a great fit that, like, the sky's the limit for them. I, the question is, is that quarterback? I mean, it is – Drew Locke, the the guy necessary there. Is it Teddy Bridgewater? I mean, if, if you think about, we talked about, you just talked about Aaron Rodgers. Like, man, Aaron Rodgers comes in there and you're, they just go through the roof. Like, you, you're talking about a, a group that can compete with, I think, the Cowboys in terms of, like, potential wide receivers. Like, the potential of an Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, like, Judy and, and Sutton have that kind of potential with, any kind of competent QB play. Um, so, I mean, wide receiver group, I think, is one of the deepest in the league. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think over on the other side of the ball, 
Um, it, it seems like this team went from, you know, essentially uh, zero corners to all the corners um, overnight. <laughs> um, and, and that's going to be really fascinating. I mean, when you bring in Fuller uh, and then, you know, despite the fact that you probably needed to take a quarterback, um, you go ahead and you draft yourself another top tier corner. Um, man, all of a sudden, you know, they're looking really, really interesting at, at corner. Um, you know, I think we, we talk about this debate a lot, but, you know, part of what I'm wondering here is in the that grand debate of pass rush versus pass coverage. Um, I mean, they, they've always been covered at pass rush, right? I mean, they've had Von Miller forever. It seems like at this point yep. they spent a first rounder on Bradley Chubb, um, but now they seem to be shoring up that back end. Um, I mean, it, it feels like this might be uh, the year that this defense could finally take that step like where it was with Peyton Manning when they won the Super Bowl, uh, they being the defense, not Peyton Manning, um, <laughs> that, you know, maybe they're I mean, back to that place, um, you know, where they can really dominate with their defense again. Well, I mean, the funny thing is, is you didn't even mention their safeties, which the duo of Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons is one of the best in the league. I mean, Justin Simmons is, in my opinion, top five safety. Um so now that you have some decent cornerback play with Sirkan and, and, and um, Fuller, like to your point, like it, it's starting to come together very quickly for this defense. So just to put some names to, to uh, some faces here really quickly for you all. Um, so going through the offense, um, as Brandon was mentioning earlier, of course we have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick, um, you know, just to name a few, they've got really a, a ton of wide receivers there. At running back, of course, they've got Melvin Gordon, who has been great forever. They also traded up. Um, all indication are over the Dolphins to be able to get Javonta Williams. I'm sure we'll get Zach's thoughts on that. Um, at quarterback, we already mentioned this, but they've got the um, not so dynamic duo of Teddy Bridgewater. Um, as well as Drew Locke uh, coming back, trying to uh, see if he can hit the broadside of a barn this year. Um, and then at tight end, they've got uh, Noah Fant, and I feel like I need to mention Albert Aguebanon as well, who, while he was healthy, actually had a few pretty darn good games um, last year. On defense, uh, we already kind of mentioned you know, what they're trotting out there at edge. Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, that's a, a pretty sweet group. Um, not much to talk about at tackle. Uh, and at backer, they've got <clears throat> uh, Alexander Johnson, who's been very good. Josie Jewell was very serviceable for IDP last year. They spent a third-round pick on Baron Browning. Um, and then we already talked about what they have in the secondary. Um, so with, with all of those names in mind, um, Zach, we'll start with you. Thinking about average draft position, thinking about some of these players we've been talking about on offense and defense, who's a player that stands out to you as someone that if they're there around their ADP, that you are smashing that button to try to get this player on your fantasy teams? Well, Brandon talked him up a little bit already, but Cortland Sutton is a guy who I just can't believe. I mean, I can, I can understand why he's going late. He had the injury last year. He is attached to a quarterback that we are very unsure about, Drew Locke, and the Broncos just drafted a first-round wide receiver. But I really think Corden Sutton is the, is the alpha of these wide receivers. The best uh, remedy to an inaccurate quarterback is a guy who can go up and get every 50-50 ball. And I think two years ago, Cortland Sutton showed he can do that. 
I mean, right it's now nice he is, he is going. Well, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right now he is going as a bottom end wide receiver three in twelve team leagues. He's going behind, you know, backup options, not backup, but second, third options for the Steelers and Robert Woods, guys who are good, but I don't think have the ceiling that Cortland Sutton has. So. One thing that um, Brandon and I often talk about on this show, you know, is we try to obviously be there with you folks that are listening. Um, so we like to bring some of the the reality into this. Um, so I wanted to give Zach a, a quick moment because Zach actually traded for Cortland Sutton in our Dynasty League last year. So I mean, Zach put rubber to road on this one. Um, I mean, when you were when you were making this trade last year with with Brian, um, someone that's that's also been on the pod, um, was was Cortland Sutton a big part of that trade for you? He actually was. This started as a I'm giving up Derrick Henry, you're giving me Dak. Um, I needed something else in that deal, and what I really wanted was Cortland Sutton. There was more negotiating back and forth. There was a Gesicki thrown in, a Darren Waller thrown in, but <laughs> but what, besides Dak Prescott. Cortland Sutton was the man on that team that I really wanted. And I was, I had to give up a lot, but I was very happy to walk out with him as well. I, I love that listeners are like, hold on. I think, I think he just said Dak Prescott, Darren Waller, <laughs> Derek Henry, Cortland. So what is happening in this league? <laughs> yeah, it, it was a blockbuster. <laughs> this, this, the apps, I mean, Brandon and I have pulled off some blockbusters in this league, but this was the blockbuster yes. of blockbusters that we've ever had in this league. Um, yeah, I, I love the Cortland Sutton call. Um, I've, I've got him in another dynasty league that uh, Brandon and I are in. Um, I really think that the sky is the limit. We talked about Rodgers earlier, and I don't want to go too far down that road, but imagining a world where Rodgers or, you know, Deshaun Watson, we, we know that there were some rumors out there about that as well, are in there. I mean, I just I, not that I think this would hurt any of the skill positions, but I feel like the name that I would gravitate to immediately would be Cortland Sutton. Like Cortland Sutton feels an awful lot like Devontae Adams, right? Like Cortland Sutton feels an awful lot like DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I mean, I feel like if, if any of these quarterbacks come here, if Sutton can put up over a thousand yards with Drew Locke, I feel pretty yeah. confident that like he's going to be just okay with one of those superstars in tow. Um, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd I love mean, that. The only other thing I would ask, uh, I, I think Cortland Sutton is great value right now. His ADP is 72 uh, on the Sleeper app. I, I mean, he's going 10 picks after guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, Odell Beckham Jr., like Devontae Smith. Um, he's going one spot after DJ Chark. Like his ceiling, I think, in my opinion, is a lot higher than those guys that I just listed in. in getting him almost essentially around later. I mean, I think that's tremendous value. Yeah. I, I'm really interested as we get closer to the draft to see if, you know, this is just like out of sight, out of mind. People haven't been thinking about Cortland Sutton for a year and maybe this yep. evens itself out. If mm -hmm. it doesn't, I mean, he is an absolute steal right now in drafts. I, I love that call. Um, Brandon, who, uh, who are you smashing the button on for the Broncos? So, Again, the whole point of this is to find value, like right? That's what we're talking about here is finding the guys that are going to provide or going to produce higher than where their ADP is right now. And I know we 
Sounds like you're sounds guy. like you're qualifying <laughs> because you know you're about to say I, something that people might not agree I, with. Yes, you you need to, and I, I think Matt and Zach can attest to this. I do pretty well finding value at the end of drafts with quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Okay, Drew Locke is that guy this year. I am smashing the button for him. He is basically free right now. The only thing he's going to cost you is a roster spot and probably your last pick. And your pride. It, hey. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I have found plenty of value in the last rounds. And you guys have made fun of me. And I'm fine with it. I will take it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I also take my playoff spot every year. <laughs> This is why I think that Drew Locke is going to be that guy that's going to overperform from where he is. I said he's basically free right now. He's he's not getting drafted. We just talked about all the great weapons he has around him. He's got three tremendous wide receivers. He's got Noah Fan. He's got a strong run game with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. They're all there. I also think that the Broncos are still kind of holding out hope that he can be that guy when you only bring in Teddy Bridgewater. I think, in my opinion, this is Drew Locke's chance. Like, he's going to come in as the as the favorite, even though they may not necessarily say that's the case. Like, if it's even, it's going to be Drew Locke. His, eight of his final 10 games last year, he had over 250 passing yards, or 248 or more passing yards in eight of his final 10. In his final four games, he had seven touchdowns and two interceptions. In three of those games, he had a completion percentage over 60% and doing all this without Cortland Sutton. Like, to me, in terms of finding value and finding a guy who can potentially be like kind of a fringe QB1, QB2, I think you're not going to find anyone with higher value than Drew Locke. So that's who I'm smashing the button on this year. Yeah, I I tease you. I, I do like the call in the sense that um, this this is someone that if you get them for free at the end of a draft, you can you can just walk away, right? Like we know that it's a lot different. If you spend an early pick on a quarterback, you feel very invested in that quarterback, and you're mm-hmm. generally unwilling to just like cut them loose if things don't work out. Um, so if you if you wait till the end, you take someone like a Drew Locke, assuming that he's starting. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, but if he is the starter, I mean, he does have a great supporting cast around him. Certainly, it seemed like he had a really good rapport with Cortland Sutton. Um, so I could I could see the upside here. Um, you know, I think the the interesting thing is going to be. I I, I apologize. I don't have this stat in front of me, but um, I remember reading something. That was basically it was a puff piece trying to talk about uh, the potential for Jerry Judy to transform into something. And one of the things it pointed to was that like something ridiculous, like 25 plus percent of his targets were uncatchable from Drew Locke last year. Um, <laughs> I think that's bad. Uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> and that like that, I think, is, you know. Drew Locke is he's got to get better at that. I mean, mm-hmm. that you you this is coming from a Giants fan who watches Daniel Jones airmail like, you know, <laughs> like his receivers <laughs> deep all day all night. Um like even Giants fans would blush like hearing those stats about Jerry Judy. Um Drew Locke was bad. Um you know, so I think it's going to be really interesting. This Denver team 
in particular the coaching staff like Vic Fangio has to win this year you know like I don't think he gets mm-hmm. another year so um there's only so many times that he's going to watch Drew Locke fire the ball like 10 yards over Jerry Judy's head before he's like you're gone like I would love yeah. to watch Teddy Bridgewater throw 10 yard ins all day um <laughs> and like there, you know there's nothing sexy about that but like if the if the coaching staff feels like that's going to give us a better shot to win games, then I think they're going to go in that direction. Um, so it's it'll be interesting. But, I mean, if your draft is like right before, you know, the season starts, you should know who the starter is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's Drew Locke, then, then who knows. Um, Zach, any thoughts on Drew Locke? I mean, as a person who is rooting heavily for Cortland Sutton this year and thinks he's in for a big, big year, I think that some of that could rub off on Drew Locke, yes. <laughs> that's that's about as abusive as my praise will get for Drew Locke, but I mean, if Cortland Sutton's catching touchdowns, someone has to throw them. Well, and, and actually, to your point, as someone that has Cortland Sutton in a lot of leagues, um, I want Drew Locke to win the job because Drew Locke has shown to prefer Cortland Sutton, um, and, and we don't know that yet with Bridgewater, and in a way it almost seems more likely that Bridgewater would prefer Judy. We don't know that for sure, but um, so I kind of want to see Drew Locke be the guy <laughs> in that way, selfishly, um, but we'll have to see. So my smash the button player um, is Javonta Williams. And I guess I'm going to have to qualify this one because uh, this one's probably a little bit off the reservation. Um, I, I think that where Javonta Williams is currently going in sleeper ADP is more than fair. Um, so basically Javonta Williams is in the land of the misfit toys right now. So he's going with like Chase Edmonds and Mike Davis and, um, other guys that are in murky backfield situations, um, which I think is entirely fair. Um, the reason I put Javonta Williams as my smash the button player is, um, I have a feeling that Melvin Gordon is not going to remain on this team. Um, I just... It, it seems like a situation that Melvin Gordon is probably not going to be happy with. You know, like I think he signed his deal in Denver expecting to be the dude. He's always wanted to be the dude in his backfield. Um, when you trade up into the top of the second round to take a running back, that doesn't suggest that you want him to just get a few carries a game. Um, historically, that has suggested that you want that to be the guy. Um now, with all that being said, they are trying to win. Melvin Gordon's a good player. <clears throat> you don't just want to get rid of good players. So I think that Melvin Gordon likely is going to have to force the issue on his end um, to not want to be there. Um, but that that's honestly my feeling right now is I don't think Melvin Gordon is going to be in this Denver backfield. Um, if he is, I think that Javonta Williams takes over sooner rather than later. Um, with that being said, I think that if that was the case, I think that Javonta Williams would skyrocket in value, right? Like if he's the guy in this backfield with, let's say, like Mike Boone behind him, um, I, I think that you'd all of a sudden see Javonta Williams, you know, like way up there. Like, I mean, not not with like Najee Harris or anything, but like he'd probably be in that Travis Etienne conversation, maybe even a little bit above some guys like that. Um, <clears throat> so... That's why I'm smashing the button for Javonta Williams because I, I've got a feeling that he's going to be the guy in the Denver backfield. Um, I'll, I'll keep this one short. I'm also very interested in Bradley Chubb this year. Um, Bradley Chubb, 
<clears throat> all the potential in the world here, former first rounder, has never really fully put it together for the Broncos. Um, I feel like this is the year he's got no excuses. So we already talked about the coverage that's likely to be behind him. I think that Denver's also going to be a pretty competent team on offense as well. That usually bodes well for defensive linemen rushing the passer if they've got a lead to work with. Um, and with coverage and Von Miller on the other side, if Bradley Chubb is going to put together some big sack numbers, this would be the year to do it. Um, so I, I love Bradley Chubb. I, I don't think that people are particularly interested in him. I understand why. Um, but I think that he's got the potential to put up some huge sack numbers this year. Um, and if he doesn't, well, that, that one's on you, friend. Because um, <laughs> really all, all the ingredients are there to make this one happen. On the flip side, um, when you're on the clock and you see these names pop up around ADP, who are the guys that you are saying, like, absolutely not, like, I'm, I'm running in the other direction. I don't want anything to do with this player. Uh, let's start with you this time, Zach. Uh, I think you've already kind of set it up here. It's Melvin Gordon. I mean, right now, Melvin Gordon's being drafted as a starter in 12-team leagues, except he might not necessarily end up being the starter on his own team. We're not sure of that yet. Um, he is on a team that did not add significant offensive line help on a line that Pro Football Focus ranked pretty low last year. And he's 28 years old. He's a guy with mileage on his legs, and 28 might as well be 40 in running back years. <laughs> Yeah, especially with the hits that he's taken, right? Yeah, he's been, he's missed time due to injury. He's not a guy who's exactly you know, sitting without a lot of tread on his tires. Absolutely. Um, and Brandon, I'll go right to you um, because I, I think you're in a similar boat to Zach. Yeah. Well, well I, I think th just a couple of things to add to it because I'm also very much running away from Melvin Gorin this year is um, – there was a report this week from a Denver beat reporter who basically said that Javante Williams is going to be the starter week one, like, which was kind of surprising to hear that this early. Um, but basically he was kind of reiter reiterating what um, you were already saying. Like you don't use a high draft pick on a guy to put behind that you're another veteran. Um, so, I mean, and the other thing is like, I think Melvin Gordon never felt like the move never made sense. Even last year, like when, when the Broncos signed him, it just, it, it never seemed like it was a team that like Melvin Gordon fit with. Um, and the extended, like just the work that he's already had to this point. Um, I, I don't think it's, um, a, a great fit necessarily. Um, it is going to be interesting. Like, fortunately, this year um, we have the opportunity to see how they're going to split work in, in the preseason. I mean, that's going to be a good indication of where the Broncos are going with the running back position. Um, but when Melvin Gordon is ADP sixty-two and Javante Williams is ADP seventy-four, like, give me the guy the round later. Like, so. I mean, I think Melvin Gordon's just one that I don't want anything to do with. I'm going to avoid this year um, unless he ends up on another team somewhere. And then maybe that's a, a consideration. But right now, this situation, I'm not, I don't want anything to do with Melvin Gordon. Well, not only where they are now, you think about where they could go. If 
Melv, if so, what could happen between now and later drafts that would make Melvin Gordon's value higher than it is right now? I don't think there's much. Mm-hmm. But if Javante Williams was made the starter or Melvin Gordon left, his value, I think, would go up. His ADP would yeah. go up. So right now, if you drafted the two of them where they are, it feels like you're drafting Melvin Gordon at his ceiling. Javante Williams maybe not at his floor because he's a rookie. There's some hype, but it feels mm-hmm. like you're drafting him lower than he could be later in draft season. No, I think that's a great point. I mean, to your point, like Melvin Gordon's, he's at his peak. Like he can only go down from here. <laughs> you know, I would love to see Melvin Gordon join the old guy country club that is the Houston Texans. Um, you know, because they they can't get enough of twenty seven, twenty eight year old running backs. Um, Do they have another star wide receiver they could trade for? Him? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Depends on what you think about Brandon Cooks, uh, but maybe. Um, so I'm I'm gonna go in a different direction with this one, although I love the Melvin Gordon call clearly. Um, Noah Fant is actually one that terrifies me, and it's not because I don't love the player; it's just because there's. There's so many potential mouths to feed in that passing game. Um, So whether Melvin Gordon or Javonta Williams is the back, both of those guys can catch the ball. So, you know, you're going to have some dump offs there. Um, You even have competition from another tight end on your own team, especially if Drew Locke is the quarterback, considering that Albert O was Drew Locke's college tight end. Um, And then you've got what, like four great wide receivers out there? I mean, there's there's only so many targets to go around. Fant is a great player. I just worry about how many targets he can really command on a regular basis in this offense. What concerns me more is where he's going. So we already talked about Cortland Sutton. Uh, ADP-wise, this is where Noah Fant is going in drafts right now. Um, so he is the tight end seven. Uh, that's wedged in between Andrews at tight end five, TJ Hawkinson at tight end six, and then Dallas Goddard, who I actually like a lot, going behind him at tight end eight. Um, and then if you even take that context away and you just look at the players he's going around, he's going around T. Higgins, Cortland Sutton, and Devonta Smith. There's no world where I'm going to take Noah Fant over any of those receivers. None. Um, I mean, to me, just run run screaming into the night (laughs) don't do this to yourself (laughs) like you can wait many many rounds later and get someone with arguably a higher if not the exact same ceiling as Noah Fant and you can get yourself some Cortland Sutton in that round don't take Noah Fant just just run away (laughs) um Josie Jewell I'm also running away from Josie Jewell uh the reason is he was highly productive last year um but I I just really have a feeling that the rookie is going to take his job. Um, So with that being said, I think that if Josie Jewell starts the year, I think he's already going to be in a timeshare with Baron Browning. Um, And then moving forward from there, I think Baron Browning sooner rather than later will likely take Josie Jewell's job. Um, So with that being said, I'm also running from Josie Jewell. Um, we, we want to close each of these team segments with a hot take. So let's start off with Brandon. Brandon, what's your hot take for the Denver Broncos? Yeah, I kind of already tipped off this, but I think Drew Locke wins the starting job, and I think he finishes this year as like a fringe QB1, high-end QB2. Oof. That's, yeah. that's red hot. Um, c- considering that I don't think that that's going to be his job for very long, that is a red hot take. <laughs> 
I know there's not going to be much competition for Drew Lock this year, and I will take all my Drew Locks, and I will be very happy. Very nice. Zach, how about you, sir? Uh, Cortland Sutton catches double-digit touchdowns, finishes top 15 wide receiver, uh, which is significantly better than where he's going right now. I think I think this is I think this is the year he takes the next step he was supposed to take last year before he got hurt. I I love this call. Uh, I think Sutton's fantastic. Um, I could absolutely see this happening. Uh, be sweet to see that ascension. And for some reason, it it seems like out in the community there's this like Sutton versus Judy like idea. I don't understand why they can't both be good. Like why it's got to be like. Judy becomes this phenomenal receiver and like Sutton does nothing like they, they can both be good players. Um, but yeah, I think that Sutton is like a true alpha dog. Um, and I, I would, I would love to see this one happen. Um, and I've already tipped mine off as well, so I won't uh, go too deep into this, but I, I think that Javonta Williams will be the lead bell cow back this year. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, my thought is that Melvin Gordon will not be on this team. Um, so get yourself some Javonta Williams if you haven't already. All right, let's move on to our Super Bowl hangover team, Kansas City. So I would have to guess that uh, Coach Andy Reid has consumed many a cheeseburger to mourn uh, the absolute beatdown <laughs> that they took at the hands of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, but the, the good news is, Andy... Uh, you, you did some good work in the offseason. I think you wanted to get to the golf course sooner rather than later. So you traded away all your draft picks. You got yourself some offensive linemen. Um, and, and that's a good thing. So on the fly, it seemed, uh, you know, Kansas City, to their credit, uh, watched their franchise get pummeled into the ground by Tampa Bay's defense. Uh, they, they quickly realized that that's not going to be a winning formula for them. And they built up that offensive line uh, admirably, in my mind. Um, uh, just to kind of go through some of their, their position groups here, you know, I think obviously Pat Mahomes comes to mind immediately, uh, for any of you in your super flex leagues, this is of course, uh, the, the de facto 101. um, he's tremendous. He's going to be there forever. Uh, they're paying him like the alpha stud that he is. Um, basically they're just filled with studs everywhere else. Of course, you've got, uh, Tyreek Hill, Mecole Hardman, and then kind of a, a cast of characters, uh, R.I.P. Sammy Watkins. It, it was it was fun while it lasted. Um, now we've got names like uh, Byron Pringle, Cornell Powell, uh, all, all kinds of fun folks, <laughs> and Demarcus Robinson that are still there. Of course, we know that Tyreek Hill is is the uh, the absolute alpha there, um, and will remain so. Travis Kelsey, of course, the most incredible freak of nature I think that we've seen. Was he been like tight end one for like five consecutive years? That's just absurd. Absolutely absurd. Um, CEH comes back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, to give it another go in the backfield. Uh, he always seems to have at least one Williams right behind him. Uh, this year it's Daryl Williams. Uh, Darwin Thompson, still there somehow. Um they will, of course, bring in five, like, decrepit 90-year-old running backs. I'm surprised Frank Gore is not there yet. Uh, just wait. Soon enough. Derek Gore is there, just in case you were wondering. Um, <laughs> and then on defense, at edge, uh, they, of course, bring back Frank Clark. They've got Taco Charlton, one of the great names in football. Uh, they've, they've got all-world Chris Jones, uh, certainly one of the best defensive tackle options out there for your team. 
at linebacker. Anthony Hitchens is somehow still around. Uh, Willie Gay is there. They spent a second-round pick on Nick Bolton. At safety, they still have Honey Badger, uh, Teron Matthew, um, as well as Daniel Sorensen, Juan Thornhill. And at corner, they've, uh, they've got some guys. That's really all you need yeah. to know there. Um, Nothing really to talk about there. There's, there's a, I think, a, a lot to talk about um, with the Chiefs, and I'm sure we'll have a lot to say. So we might as well just get right into some of our smash the button players. So Zach, um, when, when, when you're looking at the Chiefs at ADP, and I know that there's a lot to look at here, <laughs> um, who, who are you smashing the button for? I, I could, I looked through this. I could not find a single skill position player that I would not take where they are or even slightly higher. I just think the Chiefs office offense is such a fantasy bonanza. You want a piece of it and you're willing to take pretty much anyone where they're going. I, I love it. I, I can't disagree. Hashtag analysis. Yeah. yeah, There's really nothing to like, you don't really have to dive too deep into the chiefs with what they have. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is basically QB one. Travis Kelsey is basically tight end one. Tyree Kill is basically a top five wide receiver. Um, so, I mean, and then obviously you have Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who's, I think, one of the more value uh, running backs this year. So, absolutely. Well, then I'll, I'll jump on that quickly. Um, so my smash the button player would be Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, now I'll I'll start by saying that I actually think he's pretty fairly valued by the market right now. Um, so they've got him as running back fifteen. Based on where he's going, it's like essentially the beginning of the third round, which I think is pretty fair. Um, he's going around like Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Swift, Joe Mixon, J.K. Dobbins. Um, I, I think for a lot of folks, that's probably like a, a tier of players. Um, what I love about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is that I think that part of what's baked into his cost is supreme disappointment. Um, and that disappointment yeah. is by the time you drafted him, he had risen to such a ludicrous degree that people were taking him at the back of the first in their one QB drafts. Um, and of course he did not deliver on that value. Um, and that disappointment is now thoroughly baked into this new price. Um, you know, so you've got a guy that people were taking at the back of the first, that's now going at the beginning of the third, nothing has changed about his situation other than he now has a full year of experience in Andy Reid's offense and gets to go through an offseason and doesn't have Lev Bell there. Um, I mean, I love this. You know, I, I think one of the things we've talked about on the show before and that you'll hear a lot more about is um, if you can draft someone at their floor, that's easy money. Um, and to me, you are drafting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at his floor. Like, if, he's, if he stays healthy, I can't imagine him finishing lower than RB15. Um, and that's where you're getting him. Um, you know, so like, is this me saying that I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be like our, you know, RB five on the year? Maybe he could be like, I think he's got a ceiling for that. Um, but I'd be shocked if he finishes below RB 15, if he's healthy. Um, there's just too much opportunity in this offense. And when he was healthy last year, he was delivering, he was a top 15 running back when healthy. Um, and then we know obviously things, fell off the rails toward the end there as he got injured and Lev Bell started to take some carries. Um, 
So, you know, would I jump really far for Clyde Edwards Hilaire? No. But if I'm sitting there on the clock, beginning of the third, and he's there, I'm absolutely smashing the button. Yeah, the only other things that I would add, and you kind of touched on it earlier, is the the other thing that changed was he's now got a great offensive line in front of him, or or what potentially could be a great offensive line in front of him. You had Orlando Brown at left tackle, Joe Thune at left guard. They go get Austin Blythe from the Rams at center. Um, Kyle Long had an injury. It looks like he's going to miss potentially some training camp, but they use a second-round pick on Creed Humphreys, who's one of the best interior offensive linemen in the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Like, to your point, you're drafting a guy at his floor. And, and the only other thing that I would say is that, like, in the final four games of the year, he ended up with double-digit carries every single game that he played. And now you lose Lev Bell, like, really no competition, like... I mean, my hot take is that he's a he's an RB one this year. Which, to your point, like right now he's RB fifteen. It's not that hot take, but like, I mean, he's another guy that's going to produce well above where his ADP is and where he's getting drafted. Yeah, I think there's a lot of potential here. Um, you know, for for anyone that watched the Super Bowl, and you know, could kind of stomach that beat down. Literally, the only thing that worked for the Kansas City offense was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He averaged over Mm -hmm. seven yards per carry in that Super Bowl. I don't think anyone realizes that because it didn't matter. They got absolutely destroyed. Um, But, you know, one of the things that both Reed and Mahomes admitted after the game was that, like, what were we doing? Like, we kept trying Mm -hmm. to throw downfield when Tampa was letting us run and CEH was tearing them to shreds, and they just weren't giving him the ball. Um so, you know, we'll we'll have to see. I mean, I, I think that um, it's going to be interesting to see what his potential upside looks like. But um, I, I still love CEH, and I'll absolutely be smashing the button there. Um, Brandon, do you, uh, do you have a, a player you want to talk about for Smash the Button? Yeah. So the one guy that I'm smashing the button for is Nick Bolton, who is actually their other player they drafted in the second round. He's a linebacker. Um, he is very much a downhill, go-after-the-ball type linebacker. I think he plays nicely alongside Willie Gay, who's kind of a little bit more athletic and drop back into coverage. Like these two together kind of magnify where their strengths are. The other reason why I like Nick Bolton, and I think he he beats out Anthony Hitchens for the starting job. Um, God, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of people who hope so. <laughs> um, I think Chiefs fans are hoping so. <laughs> we, we love you, Anthony Hitchens, but I mean... <laughs> It's, it's it's like KJ Wright last year. It's like the the, the ship has to sail on. Like yeah. this, we, we have to be done with this. The other reason why I like Nick Bolton this year, and this is something that kind of flies under the radar, but when you're playing IDP, these are big moves that the Chiefs are deciding to make. They went and drafted, or not drafted, signed um, Jerron Reed, the defensive tackle. He's more of a space eater. He's going to command double teams, which is going to free up Nick Bolton to get to the ball to get tackles. The other reason that this is important to note is now this moves Chris Jones to defensive end. And they're not going to do that all the time, but there's going to be times where Chris Jones is going to be on the edge and he's going to get opportunities to rush after the like get after the quarterback. Um, Pro Football Focus had him as having a pass rush grade of 92.8 which was second in the league is that good like 
Yeah, I think that's kind of good <laughs> when you consider no Chiefs edge had over had a grade over fifty six point three. So those kind of subtle shifts that they're making on their defense, I think is going to make Nick Bolton a great value pick in IDP this year. I love that call. I I, I agree with you. I think the the name to watch there is Hitchens because last year I, I remember I was really excited about Willie Gay. <clears throat> and remembering that this is a team, obviously, that is in perennial win-now mode, they're not going to really give a rookie a whole lot of time out there to figure it out. Um, Willie Gay was only playing like 10 20% of the snaps for most of the year. Um, so, you know, Nick Bolton, to your point, I mean, he's a different player than Willie Gay, um, and I think he's a very heady player. So if he can beat Hitchens out, then I'm very much on board with Nick Bolton because I think this is a we, – we talked about him in our previews. This is a thumper. This yeah. is someone that I think could be awesome. Um, the only thing that makes me nervous is if if old man Hitchens stays around, we could be looking at that same 10 to 20% yeah. you know, kind of nonsense to, to open the year, which would be tough. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, all right. Run screaming into the night players. Uh, let's start with Zach again. Who, who are you just not – not trying to be around at ADP, Zach. Well, in- interestingly, uh, this is where I had Nick Bolton. Um, <laughs> nice. Is, Let's hear it. Um, depending on which which write-ups you read about him in the draft, there are some concerns about him in pass coverage. And this is more of a worry about what the Chiefs are going to be facing, that the Chiefs tend to go up 30 points on people really quickly. Mm-hmm. And if you are not solid in pass coverage – you might not be spending as many downs out there on the field. Dick Bolton could be a really good player, but if he's not out there to make tackles and get you past deflections and interceptions and forced fumbles, it might not help you in fantasy. Um, the other question is the Chiefs actually are not a great crew in terms of assigning solo tackles. IDP guru a couple of years ago uh, actually ranked uh, stat crews by how well they gave so of the opportunities for solo tackles, assists, everything. Basically, what were the most generous crews? The Chiefs were near the bottom, which is, I believe, contributing to why the Chiefs linebackers have not been very highly productive in our IDP leagues. So I'm not saying Nick Bolton isn't a good player, but he is not necessarily a guy that I would be reaching for on draft day. See, this is why we bring Zach, because he brings this valuable information I mean, to his point, like I think I, I'm I like the player more, but his point about game script and the fact that teams are probably going to have to throw more is going to limit his tackle production. So Nick Bolton may be a guy that I like the player, but to Zach's point, the situation may not be good. So yep. and in that way we really gave I accept your I also I also have to throw Harrison Bucker in there just because I was so you know overflowing in my praise for Chiefs players. Wait until the last round to draft a kicker. <laughs> yeah, Brandon. Yes. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a conversation for another day. We'll just say that the uh, the the aggression of our point structure in our home league uh, for kickers is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> something just beautiful to behold. Um, occasionally forces the issue with people to draft kickers a little bit earlier. <laughs> but, uh, 
conversation for another day. We'll, we'll, we'll let that one marinate. Um, Brandon, who's someone that you are running away from at ADP? So for me, the guy that I'm running away from is Michael Hartman. Um, I know that right now it's we talk about how great this Chiefs offense is, and it's like, okay, well, you have Tyreek Hill, and then who's that number two wide receiver? Like, in a great offense, like, you should be able to support two quality wide receivers, and now Sammy Watkins is gone. Like, there's a legitimate competition there for that other one. It seems like people are favoring Hardman as being the guy that's going to win that job. His ADP is, like, 125. Um, But... For me, like, with that kind of uncertainty, like, I don't feel very good about that high of an IDP for a guy who's not locked into that job. So, like, I think right now I'm probably shying away. Now, if we come into the preseason and he's getting work and he's getting involved, okay, like, I might reevaluate at that point. But, like, right now, Hardman's a guy that I'm not considering drafting where he's going. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I think the issue I have with Miko Hardman is is even when injury has, um, you know, befallen Sammy Watkins, which is you know basically every every game. Mm-hmm. Um, when when Hardman gets in there, like this is someone that we've never been able to trust so far in his career in fantasy. Like he's a big play waiting to happen, but sometimes you wait five games for said big play to happen. Um, I, I can't see Nicole Hardman as someone you know, until he develops some consistency is someone I'd really even want to put in my lineup. And, and over the years, what I've found with players like that is I would much rather than be on the back end of someone else's roster or on the waiver mm-hmm. wire than clogging up my roster. If I'm never going to feel confident putting them in my lineup. Um, so yeah, me Hardman is essentially someone I'm just off of altogether. I'm just not, not a fan. Um, some, some of the ones that I'm running away from, uh, this one will be a little bit controversial, but I'll explain myself. Um, I'm actually running away from Pat Mahomes. Um, now of course this is not in super flex leagues. Please do not run away from Patrick Mahomes in a super flex league. Um, this is more in a one QB league, my philosophy around QBs. So, I mean, I think it's become more vogue, um, you know, after JJ Zacharyson started talking about it years ago, that late round QB is a, you know, an important thing to think about. Um, I, I don't necessarily think you have to wait all the way until the end, but the idea is quarterbacks are kind of hard to predict in terms of exactly where they're going to finish. A lot of them finish in a relatively similar tier to one another. So if you're going to draft one, you probably don't want to draft one really high. The idea there is if you draft a quarterback, like at the top of your draft, you basically need him to finish as the best quarterback just to return value on that draft pick. If he doesn't, then you've burned the draft pick. Um, So Mahomes right now, according to ADP for single QB is going as the 18th player off the board. Do not do that. Do do not do that. (laughs) Um, For Mahomes to deliver value being that high. So being middle of the second round, he's going to have to be the QB one and probably by a substantial margin. Like, so think Lamar Jackson of two years ago when Lamar Jackson absolutely ripped the league to shreds. That's basically what Mahomes would have to do for you to actually return value on that draft pick. Um, so instead, you know, just like take a, a great wide receiver or running back there, wait and get 
plenty of other quarterbacks that I'm sure we're going to be talking about later on in the draft. You've got just as high of an opportunity as a Lamar Jackson, who you can probably get in the fourth or fifth round um, to, to, you know, be the QB one as Pat Mahomes. Heck, you could wait until like the 10th or 11th round and you could take Jalen Hurts. He probably has just as high of a chance of delivering the QB one um, as Pat Mahomes. So <clears throat> that's why, I, at least in one QB leagues, I'm wanting, I'm running away from Pat Mahomes. I'm not going to be taking him that high. Let someone else do that. Um, the other one, we've already talked about this, so I won't belabor it. Um, I don't want any part of Anthony Hitchens this year. Um, R.I.P. Anthony Hitchens. It's it's been fun. Um, all right. Uh, in our hot takes, um, Brandon, did you want to add anything more to yours? I know you already talked about yeah. C.E.H. as a top twelve back. Yeah, I think I don't have anything more to add there. I think that he's it, where he's drafted right now is at his floor, and I think his ceiling's going to be he's going to be an R.B. one this year. Love it. How about you, Zach? Maybe this won't seem so hot, but I think Demarcus Robinson, not Nicole Hardman, is the other wide receiver you'll want to own in Kansas City. Uh, Demarcus Robinson's basically undrafted right now. His ADP is below 300. I think maybe this is a gut call. It feels like they have an equal equal chance of securing that number two wide receiver spot in Kansas City. And give me the one who is going 180 picks or more later. If you want to buy into the Kansas City offense for free, he's the guy to go for. I love that I call. I love this call. Yeah, I'm, go ahead, Brandon. Yeah. No, no, I was going to say, I just, I, I love that call. I mean, the value there is is fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm definitely, I have Demarcus Robinson on my dynasty team. Like, I think that it's just, I think it's a great call. So I think that it's going to be Robinson early. I think the guy is eventually going to be Cornell Powell. Um, but why I love this call is I, I completely agree with Zach that I think the guy is not Mecole Hardman. Um, and the reason is what we talked about earlier. I think Hardman, Hardman more plays Tyreek Hill's role, which, of course, they're never going to give to him ever. Um, whereas Robinson makes more sense as a possession-style guy um, more in the line of a Sammy Watkins, something like that, which which is a role that is not as valuable as Tyreek Hill, but has value in this offense. Um, to me, Robinson and Cornell Powell are more of those guys and not Mecole Hardman. So I, I love that call. Um, and my hot take is that um, neither Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill are actually going to return value on their ADP. I don't think that this is super hot. Um, I also don't want it to sound hotter than it really is. Um, this isn't me saying that Kelsey and Tyreek are going to bomb or anything like that. Um, but right now, Travis Kelsey is basically being taken at the back of the first round, which is just insane. Although I will probably at least be mildly interested in potentially taking him there because <laughs> uh, he's been that good. Um Tyreek is going even earlier than that, you know, back end of the first. Um, this is actually more of a game theory bet on, I just don't think they can duplicate what they did last year. Uh, you know, Tyreek and Kelsey had abnormally high touchdown rates. They also stayed abnormally healthy. Um, Kelsey's getting up there in age. Tyreek is a smaller receiver that takes a lot of big shots. Um, I, I still think they're going to be great, and I'm not telling you to not draft them. Um, what I am telling you is 
don't bet on either of them having the kind of year that they had last year. I think they'll still be great, especially on a per game basis. Um, but I would be shocked if both of them deliver the exact same results that they did last year, just because it's going to be hard to do that. Um, whether it's, you know, a few of these other receivers getting touchdowns, Clyde Edwards Hilaire getting a few more touchdowns. Um, I, I do think that they're going to step down at least a little bit from the, the craziness of last year. All right, moving on to one of our two teams in the LA area, this one being the Chargers. Uh, this is certainly a, a fun team, I think, with a lot of really interesting names. Um, so I, I think, obviously, everything starts with Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, Herbert, I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about, certainly one of the more exciting young players out there, certainly caught the league by storm last year. Uh, this is definitely one that I'll be interested to hear Zach's thoughts on because the, the Dolphins were rumored to be taking Herbert. Of course, they took Tua. Um, I don't know if that was a smokescreen or, or what they were looking for there. Um, <clears throat> but I think, you know, much like uh, Eli um, Roethlisberger and, uh, you know, the the one that will be attending their, their ceremonies, Philip Rivers, um, much like those three will always be linked together, of course, uh, this this past class will always be linked together as well. So uh, whether he likes it or not, Zach will always have to think about Justin Herbert. Um, <laughs> at running back, of yeah. course, we've got Eckler. Um, at receiver, uh, we've got the, the great and now slightly aging Keenan Allen. Mike Williams, uh, they, they took Josh Palmer in the third. Uh, tight end, uh, another old man river that just, you know, I, I got to give this man credit though. Jared Cook knows how to find himself a quarterback. This guy travels the league looking for a quarterback <laughs> and he always finds ones that are really, really good. So good on you, Jared Cook. You know what you're doing. Um, on defense, I think this is going to be a super interesting defense and a lot of big names here. Of course, at edge, you start with Joey Bosa, you know, who's absolutely incredible. Um, probably not a lot to talk about at tackle, even though they did get my boy Linval Joseph, uh, but Joseph is up there in age to say the absolute least, uh, linebacker as always, the chargers have approximately a million linebackers. Uh, this one's highlighted by <laughs> Kenneth Murray last year's first round draft pick. And then many, many, many other people, um, at safety, they've got, uh, the, uh, greatly injured Derwin James. Uh, we'll see if he can ever put together a few healthy games, uh, as well as Nasir Adderley. And then they've got some cornerbacks, <clears throat> including Asante Samuel. I guess I should at least point that out. Asante Samuel Jr. is there. He was taken in the second round. Uh, and, and Chris Harris Jr. too. Absolutely. He's one of the better s slot corners right now in the league. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. Um so, I mean, I'll, I'll start by kicking this one to, to Zach, um, whether it's thoughts on Herbert or just thoughts on the Chargers in general. Um, what, what, do you, what do you think about with this team? Well, I, I do think Herbert was a smokescreen all the way. Uh, whether that was the right move or not, we're going to have to wait and see. I'm, I'm pretty high on Tua this year, but maybe not as high as I would be on, say, Justin Herbert. So. I, I, I might I might be watching the Chargers offense for many years and thinking what if, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think Keenan Allen you can just get for the old man discount, uh, like you can every year. He's he's a boring veteran who just catches passes. He's got a full year with Herbert under his belt. 
he was well, almost a full year. He was Herbert's top target. He can hope that, you know, getting Brandon Staley in here, they're going to be able to use him better than they did last year because he did not get the, uh, he did not get the depth of targets that he's used to there. And I think that helped his stats suffer. Um, he's just a guy who you can consistently bet on week to week to week. And I think that when you're drafting him as a back end wide receiver, one, you're just, that's just profit. Uh, I'll also mention I'm smashing the button for Kenneth Murray. He is, I think, going to be an absolute stud in IDP leagues this year. Uh, with Denzel Perryman out of the picture, with Staley playing him more downhill, um, I think that he is going to rack up a lot of tackles. I think that he's going to get in the backfield a little more during passing downs. I think he's just the undisputed three-down linebacker here who you want as your you know linebacker one or two. And you can get him uh, much later. I absolutely love both of those calls. Uh, Keenan Allen, I mean, <clears throat> my gosh, when uh, when Justin Herbert came in, the the ludicrous volume of targets that were coming Keenan Allen's way, absolutely absurd. And somehow Keenan Allen was still like severely underrated. I I was trying to get Keenan Allen everywhere, and everyone that had him was like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah. I was like, please, someone just think he's boring. None of them did. Um, so it's so a good. But they, but they always, they always do around draft time. That's the thing. Right now, his mm-hmm. his ADP is is thirty three almost. He's going behind. Um, he's going behind. You know the exciting wide receivers. You know Justin Jefferson, Michael Thomas, Calvin Ridley, just ahead of Allen Robinson and Julio Jones. I really think that that Keenan Allen has a decent shot at outperforming some of those guys. Yeah. Just on pure volume alone. I'm, I'm absolutely, absolutely. with you. Um, and you know, I'm going to build off of your Kenneth Murray take um, because I'm in a similar place to you. So as a reminder, as you pointed out, Brandon Staley is the new head coach there. Brandon Staley, of course, was the defensive coordinator with the Rams and, um, and what he found in showing his hand with the Rams in terms of how he wants to run a defense is this is someone that likes to get a lot of safeties and defensive backs out there, and he wants to employ one linebacker who is in there all the time. Um, and you never know. I mean, they have a lot of guys there, and he he's not the one that drafted Kenneth Murray. So it, it doesn't necessarily have to be Murray. But it certainly seems like Murray's the most talented one there. And if Murray is that three-down guy that's in there all the time, he could absolutely rack up a ton of production. Um, I mean, the every single linebacker in Staley's system that came in there, um, you know, in that role, Micah Kaiser, we've talked about some of these guys, um, mm-hmm. they were just racking up huge IDP numbers. So if, if Kenneth Murray is that guy, um, absolutely, Zach, I think he's going to be a stud. Um, and with that being said, I'm going to go to my smash, the button player, um, for similar reasons, and that's Derwin James. Now, I'm going to say that this is a very soft smashing of the button. Like, like we're, we're like, you're, you're feeling like pretty good and aggressive about that button, but then like, you're kind of like barely grazing the key. You're like, uh, <laughs> like, do I, do I really want to do this? Do, do can I fall in love again? Can I break my heart again? Um, if Derwin James stays healthy, this is John Johnson, right? Like, so, I mean, John Johnson has been an absolute stud like top five defensive back stud in that ram system um and 
Derwin James will be the John Johnson. Um, he's got all the tools, and I think that he can be absolutely fantastic. You'd have to figure that Staley is going to put him up around the line of scrimmage, just like John Johnson. Johnson frequently wore the dot for the Rams this past year. Um, now, that doesn't guarantee that Durham James is going to wear the dot, but the point being that like Staley likes to shift his safeties up into linebacker positions. I think James could be phenomenal. Um, we just have to see if uh, his, his body agrees with that assessment this year because um, it has not liked football very much since he entered the NFL. Um, I'm also smashing the button for Eckler. Uh, similarly to Keenan Allen, I don't know what it is about these guys, but like they just seem like they're super boring and people don't like the fact that they give a lot of point production. Um, so here's, a, here's an interesting stat I've got for you on Austin Eckler. Um, five of the seven games, um, so <clears throat> this is a slightly random stat, so I apologize. Um, but we, rem- we remember that Eckler got hurt and he missed a good portion of the year. Herbert didn't play the first game of the year, and then he came in in the second game, and that weird uh, lung puncture incident um, involving Tyrod Taylor. But they didn't set the game plan for Herbert. It was supposed to be Tyrod, and then Herbert entered the game. Um, and I think that that's important to note um, because obviously they had to set a game plan for Herbert starting week three. Um, so in five of seven games that Herbert was the starter, Eckler was the running back, and they were actually able to set the game plan accordingly, Eckler had at least seven targets in five of seven games. Um, that is a ton of targets for a running back. Um so it, this is something to think about, like because it's not just game plan specific. It's also Herbert looking for Eckler while he's out there, which makes sense for a young quarterback, right? Like the pressure's coming at you. The Chargers don't have a great line, so a lot of pressure tends to come toward Herbert, although they did fix the line a little bit. Um, I, I think that Eckler, especially in half PPR and PPR formats, is going to be an absolute stud. Um, Herbert's going to be looking for him a lot. We also need to remember who the offensive coordinator is now for the Chargers, and that is Joe Lombardi. Joe Lombardi was with the New Orleans Saints. We know who their running back is. Um, This this is a team that is going to absolutely feed Austin Eckler out of the backfield. Um, I think you, you can legitimately be concerned about his size and you can be concerned about um, his potential to stay healthy. But I think if he's on the field right now, he's going as the running back 11. If you can get him as the running back 11, I think that you have got a top five running back on your hands if he stays healthy. Um, I'm glad that you brought that up because it kind of feeds right into what I wanted to talk about, and that is Joe Lombardi, who I think is was the perfect offensive coordinator for the Chargers. Who I, I love the Chargers this year. Lombardi was he was the QB coach for 12 of the 15 years that Drew Brees was in the league. Like he's going to help Justin Herbert out. But the other reason why I love Joe Lombardi, and I'm not even going to point to the time he had with the Saints and Alvin Kamara, I'm going to go even farther back. So let's sit back, relax. I I got a nice little story to tell about Joe Lombardi. (laughs) I'm going all the way back. (laughs) I'm going all the way back to 2014 and 2015. Those were the years that he was the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. He was calling the plays for the Detroit Lions. 
Do you know? Do you want to scare our listeners? Why why are we talking about the Dietrich? (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. There was running backs like Joyke Bell and Theo Riddick who were putting up monster numbers in Joe Lombardi's offense. So in 2014, the combination of Joyke Bell, Theo Riddick, and Reggie Bush combined 159 targets, 108 receptions, 911 receiving yards. In 2015, Theo Riddick alone, 99 targets, 80 receptions, 697 yards, and three touchdowns. I'm pretty sure Austin Eckler is better than those. So now you have <laughs> really a running so. back. <laughs> I mean, I think people who were playing fantasy football in 2014 or 2015 didn't even know who Joy Bell was. Like, I, I mean, he, Joe Lombardi made them relevant, especially in the passing game. And so I love what he's going to do with this offense, having Austin Eckler there. And like my hot take, Austin Eckler finishes – not just as an RB1, but the top running back this year wow. in PPR leagues. Wow. Based on the based on the offense that he's in, like the guy's gonna be pushing 80, 90 receptions this year. Like he's gonna be a monster. Like so as long as he stays healthy, like my hot my hot take is Austin Eckler finishes as the top running back this year. And I, I went top five and you just you had to i went right past yeah, that. you had to just torch that wow thanks for that <laughs> no i, I love I, I that mean, and actually that's you know i i didn't even think to go that far back but i mean that's fantastic because like you you think about camara and that one's obvious and you can look at the talent there for camara yeah. but i love bringing up like it doesn't matter like whether they're talented or not this is still what joe lombardi wants to do his mo is to yeah. feed the running back well, and the funny thing is, it's like it's not even feeding the running back because that 2014 Lions team, Golden Tate had 99 receptions and 1,300 receiving yards. Calvin Johnson had 71 receptions and 1,000 receiving yards. Like, there's going to be plenty of work to go around. And if these play, uh, these playmakers are putting up those numbers, like Justin Herbert is benefiting from this as well. Like, I mean, I think this – Chargers offense is ready to just explode with the talent they have and now Joe Lombardi calling the plays. I love it. That was a lot of love for Austin Eckler. Um, Zach, do you uh, do you want to douse that at all? Or <laughs> how are you feeling no, about Eckler? No, the, the, the one thing I'll say is I thought about this when you're talking about if Eckler stays healthy, but it's just important that Justin Herbert stays healthy. Is there a top running back whose value is more tied to his quarterback than Austin Eckler? Because with a lot of these running backs, you think, well, the quarterback gets hurt, they lean on the run more. But with Eckler, if Chase Daniel is in there running that (laughs) offense, are you as enthusiastic about Austin Eckler's catching passes out of the uh, the backfield? Yeah, maybe. Maybe he gets these short dump-offs, but I just can't think that that this offense is going to be the explosive way that they're going to need for Austin Eckler if it's anyone but Justin Herbert in there. Yeah. I think they're hitting the showers early if it's Chase Daniel. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's a the, real the man. The man's the man's made a good life as a backup quarterback. <laughs> oh, that would that would bring me so much sadness. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to expel <laughs> that from my memory. Um, <clears throat> just not. That's just not good. Um, well, 
with, with that, I think we should definitely run screaming into the night, just, uh, you know, <laughs> thinking about that idea. Um, so I, I'm not going to belabor this too much because this feeds back into what I was talking about earlier. My run screaming into the night, once again, this is for one QB formats, is Justin Herbert. Um, and I agree with Brandon. I think that there's a ton of potential for Herbert. Here's at least my potential cold water. Um, so the first name I would bring up is Baker Mayfield. Um, so we remember tremendous amount of enthusiasm for when Baker came in through over 30 touchdowns, his rookie year offense is looking great, comes into his second year. Now we know that these are two different situations, right? Also two different players. Um, but it, it's dangerous to always assume that growth is linear, especially for a quarterback. Um, sometimes they, they come out, they look really good, and then all of a sudden defenses now have a full offseason to game plan for them. They find some of these flaws, and then they start to go after those flaws. Um, one thing to be at least a little bit concerned about, any of you that rostered Herbert last year certainly remember this, but in money time when we got down to the playoffs, Herbert had some of his roughest weeks of the entire year. Um so we remember the Bill Belichick game. Uh, this is something that I think uh, Brandon and I had talked about offline. Um, now, granted, that's Belichick. He does that to rookie quarterbacks. That's his thing or whatever. He's sadistic. Um, but <laughs> Herbert had an absolutely awful – I think he scored like two points. Um, but yeah. outside of that, he also had two of his other final four games. That's minus the Belichick game. Um, were also sub 18-point uh, QB performances, which in a one QB league, you're not looking for. Um, you're looking for that top 12 week. Uh, Herbert did not deliver those. Now, to be fair, because I think it's important to point this out, the other two, <laughs> he was awesome in. <laughs> so it's not like he was completely like terrible down the stretch. Um, but he, he went nuclear, right, like for most of the year. And then as we got down the stretch, that started to go away a little bit. Um, one thing to be a little bit cautious about. The other thing to consider is this defense suffered a huge amount of injuries last year and were just generally bad. Herbert was playing from behind a lot. We know that when you're playing from behind a lot as a quarterback, you have to throw, you can put up a lot of stats. That's not going to be the case this year. I mean, barring something catastrophic, usually with a lot of injuries, I do think that coach is going to pull this defense together and they're going to be much better this year. They have the talent to do that. If that's the case, I can't imagine that they're going to be dropping Herbert back as much as he did last year, um, just because that that's not a good life choice for them. Um, so with all that being said, in, in one QB leagues, Herbert's going as the QB six. So he's going around, you know, like Dak, uh, Russ Wilson, some of these guys. As I mentioned earlier, for me, I probably would be passing on Herbert here, not because I don't think that there's a ceiling, but because I think that there's another quarterback that I can get with just as high of a ceiling later on, and I can continue to load up on, you know, running backs, wide receivers, et cetera. Um, if we're looking at super flex, you know, it's basically take who you want. I mean, Herbert's got just as high of a ceiling as anyone else. So in super flex, go ahead, like, you know, pull, pull the trigger on Herbert. I think he could be great. One QB, I think I'm probably passing. Um, Zach, who who are you run running from at ADP for the Chargers? I had to dig a little bit here because I feel like most of these guys are pretty well valued. Even the one I'm going with isn't horribly overvalued, which is Jared Cook. I just am seeing so much buzz right now about Jared Cook's a sleeper. Jared Cook's the tight end you want to grab late. And the age really worries me. 
the fact that Hunter Henry in a pretty ideal situation last year barely struggled to tight end eight. Um, I, I, I just, I don't buy the Jared Cook sleeper hype. And so this isn't a high drafted player who I think is going to crater. This is just even laid on go looking for a tight end. I'm not touching Jared Cook. And Brandon, I think you're right there with Zach. You want to yeah, add to that? Yeah. No, I, I mean, there's not much to add to that. I mean, I think one other name that I would potentially throw out there is someone that I'm probably avoiding right now is um, Joey Bosa. I mean, this is not to say that he's not a talented player, um, but there is certainly an injury risk there, kind of in the same vein of a Derwin James where where you'd have to get him just because of the potential of what he does on the field is so tremendous. Um, I'm probably shying away from Joey Bosa based on where you would have to draft him just because of the injury history. I think, I mean, he's basically only played one full 16-game season in the last three years. So that's probably someone that I would be avoiding. I love it. Um, Well, we've already talked a little bit about some of our hot takes. Uh, Brandon obviously already came in with his. He's got Eckler as the RB1, which I think is red hot. I love it. Um, I've already talked a little bit about mine. Um, I think that the Chargers are going to be a much better team than they were last year. Um, And as a result, maybe a little bit of regression tied in. I don't think Justin Herbert is going to finish as a QB1 this year. That's not necessarily me saying that I think he's going to be bad. I just think that other people are probably going to rise. I I see him falling just outside of the QB1 range. Um, Zach, what's your hot take for the Chargers? Uh, I think Kenneth Murray is going to not just improve, but uh, jump up to the top five linebackers in RD, in, uh, in IDP um, with a combination of No Perryman, Brandon Staley, the generous uh, tackle crew that they have there for the <laughs> Los Angeles Chargers. Um, he's currently linebacker 18 in IDP ADP. Uh, I think that uh, I think that a jump of you know 10 to 15 spots is not unreasonable. I I have a hard time finding people beyond Devin Bush and Darius Leonard that just in every situation I think are totally going to be better than him. I would listen to this man. Uh, he took Devin White <laughs> last year, uh, and uh, as as anyone that plays IDP knows, Devin White was good, <laughs> very yes. good. Um, so th- this is someone that that spots a coming out party for <laughs> for a linebacker. So keep your eye on Kenneth Kenneth Murray. I think that's fantastic. Um, all right. Well, if we haven't had enough fun already, now we get to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, and what a what a team to talk about. What a what a time to be living. Um with with John Gruden in our lives. So Gruden did a lot of Gruden things as he always does. He had a fun Gruden draft. He got rid of his entire offensive line and decided to start over, you know, because why not? Um and you know, here we are with the Raiders. Um so Against all odds, uh, Derek Carr is still the quarterback. He's also apparently extremely happy about that. Uh, came out recently and, and said that he would quit football if the Raiders traded him. Um, man, <laughs> there's like got to be some pretty, pretty severe emotional issues here with Derek Carr. I, I think that therapists need to start reaching out. Um, Gruden has done some things to this man. <laughs> Derek, we, we feel for you. 
Um, they also have Marcus Mariota there. I think it's important to just consider that Marcus Mariota is the backup quarterback for John Gruden. And the, what a what a sad situation. Um, at running back, uh, <laughs> they they did some things. Um, so they still have Josh Jacobs there. Of course, they spent a first round pick on Josh Jacobs a few years back. Talented player. Uh, they they give him the ball a lot. Um, he is one of the top 10 running backs in the NFL in guaranteed money. Um, and the Raiders thought, you know what, why don't we have two of those players? <laughs> so they, they went out and they got themselves some Kenyon Drake, uh, Kenyon Drake, certainly a favorite of the mildly defensive pod, uh, mostly because we thought he was going to be good and he was absolutely terrible last year. Um, but you know what? Gruden was not phased by that. Um, so he gave <laughs> Kenyon Drake over $10 million guaranteed because why not? Um, a wide receiver, they spent a first round pick on Henry Ruggs last year and then proceeded to not use him. Um, why not? Uh, they, they also have Brian <laughs> Edwards. Uh, he basically spent the whole year hurt. Um, but me, you know, I think still potentially a, a lot of, um, a, a lot to potentially like there. Uh, they had Nelson Aguilar, who had a really good year, so they thought, let's just let him walk. Um, and we'll bring in some John Brown for our lives. Um, and they still have Hunter Renfro, who uh, annoyingly catches 60 passes a year or so, because, um, you know, that's just what he does. Um, <laughs> they do have Darren Waller. And and I think it's important important for us to point out that there is a beacon of hope here, and that beacon of hope is Darren Waller. Uh, we, we love you, Wallerus. You, you keep you keep doing your thing. Um, that's the offense. On defense, they have Clellan Farrell coming back again. He's been largely disappointing, but um, I think there's still some some potential there. They also have Yannick Ngakwe, who they brought in at edge, and Max Crosby is still there. So I think definitely an interesting edge group. Um, they brought in, uh, I think Hankins has been there for a few years, um, at tackle, but there's really not a ton of production here. They've got Solomon Thomas. I, I think that that could at least be interesting if Sol- Solomon Thomas, uh, you know, former highly drafted player can kind of unlock something there for Gruden. Uh, they've got a, a billion linebackers, um, largely disappointing linebackers, um, a bunch of guys that they've tried to convert to linebacker. <laughs> I, I don't fully understand what's happening here. Um, they're very in love with linebackers, but the linebackers don't love them back. Um, they've got Jonathan Abram, uh, as well as Trevon Merig at safety. They also brought back old friend Carl Joseph. Um, so there's a lot going on there in the safety room, and they have a lot of corners. Um, oh, where to start? <laughs> where to start with this team? I will. Uh, I'll throw it to Brandon. Um, where Where will you start with the Raiders, Brandon? Uh, so I'm just going to jump right into my smash the button player because I, I feel like I'm the guy that I feel like I'm the Statue of Liberty of like the the quarterbacks no one wants. <laughs> like, <laughs> give me your Drew Locks, give me your Derek Cars. Like, I, I think Derek Carr has good value. Like. <laughs> Don't go there, Brandon. <laughs> I, I, I mean, listen, I, I know Derek Hart gets a lot of crap, 
but and he's QB 25. Like right now, he's QB 25. But the last two years, he's thrown for over 4,000 yards. He's had over 20 touchdowns, and he's thrown for less than 10 interceptions. Like, okay, do I want him on the Bills? No, absolutely not. Like, do I want him on my fantasy team? Okay. Like, I mean, I think there's there's value there. Like, so um, for me, I, I think that when you look at some of the weapons that he he has around him obviously Darren Waller is fantastic he's a top three tight end um you hope Henry Ruggs puts it together in year two they bring in John Brown um of course Willie Sneed's still in the NFL and he lands on the Raiders like um so for me I think if again if there's a guy who has good upside who has the potential Derek Carr is not someone who's going to like become like the blow it out of the water and have these huge games but like he's steady like if you're in a two qb league and you um i'm trying to think of someone who's like basically like a, a boomer bust quarterback like you could pair him with a Derek Carr, who you know is basically going to get you 250 yards and probably one or two touchdowns and and, and not turn the ball over um that is certainly a winning strategy in that regards. So for me in the island of misfit quarterbacks, I am, I'm taking Derek Carr. You're, you're a brave man. <laughs> I, 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 I look forward to seeing this fantasy team this year held by Drew Locke and Derek Carr. Yeah. It's happening. It's happening. You oh, just man. chalk it up. Rounds 24 yeah. and 25, Brandon. You can, na- you, I, can, I think... you can name it Lock Your Car Doors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So. I, I love it. Um, Zach, who are, who are you smashing the button for this year? All right. Well, after, after dumping all over Derek Carr, uh, <laughs> I do think there's something to be had with Henry Ruggs this year. Uh, the guy who's going as almost wide receiver 60 right now. He's barely inside the top 60. Uh, He's, if they can just figure out how to use him better, you want to get him more underneath stuff so he can use the yards after catch ability instead of chucking him these deep balls. That's, that's not his game. I do. I mean, last year, last year he was being drafted inside the top 120 players. What's changed since then? in terms of Henry Ruggs, he didn't get injured. We saw flashes of what he could be for, for a guy who's basically free. If you're throwing darts at the end of a draft at wide receivers, I think you could do worse than Henry Ruggs. And that's about as heavy on praise. I'm going to go for him. (laughs) The the only thing that I'll add to the Henry Ruggs thing, because I think it's interesting and I think it's worth noting is with the sleeper ADP, like they've been kind of putting them out every two weeks or something like that one of the players who's moved the most in his ADP is Henry Ruggs. So at the beginning of June, in redraft PPR leagues, he was at 178. He is now down to um, like 138, 140. Oh, wow. Um, So he's moving a lot? Yeah, actually 145. So he went from 178 to 145. Um, There's always that breaking point with a player in value, like – if he continues to move, like you start to think that, okay, now the price is just too much for me to go get him. So I think he's someone to watch where his ADP is going. And if it continues this trend, 
of, of continuing to like move further and further up in the draft. Yeah, no, no arguments there. Uh, yeah. Right now, the wide receivers being taken ahead of him, guys like Amon Ross, St. Brown, Elijah Moore, yeah. Mike yeah. Williams, like these are all guys I would still prefer Henry Ruggs over. Once yep. you start getting up into the the territory of oh, let's see here, Corey Davis at uh, at wide receiver mm-hmm. forty six, Rondale Moore at wide receiver forty seven, that's where I start to think you might hit a hit a, hit a little wall there. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I like that call as well. I think that there's still a lot of potential there. Um, and and my smash the button player, um, as probably alluded to by my intro on this team, <laughs> um, is Darren Waller. He's the only one I have any faith in in this offense. Um, I I wasn't very high on Waller. You know, like I I was I had I had a lot of him that first year that he broke out. Um, and then I honestly didn't think that he could sustain it, especially after they brought in uh, rugs and everyone. And then all they did was just throw it to Waller even more. Um, the, the guy can't be covered. <laughs> this defense got worse somehow. Um, and the offense didn't really get better. In particular, it's going to be a lot harder for them to run the football this year. I just think Darren Waller is going to soak up li- like a billion targets. <laughs> like I don't know how they can throw to anyone other than Waller. Um, I, and, and in particular with Waller, what's interesting is I think that the love affair with George Kittle makes Waller an incredible value. I mean, Kittle is still going above Waller in drafts, which is insane to me. I love me some George Kittle, but this guy cannot stay healthy. I mean, yeah. Darren Waller is what you want George Kittle to be. Like you want George Kittle to get ludicrous volume and stay healthy for 16, 17 games. He never does that. I don't understand how anyone could take George Kittle over Darren Waller. I, I don't mean for that to sound like I'm blasting George Kittle. It's just I think Waller is phenomenal. Like, don't take him over Kelsey because that's stupid. Um, but, like, take him ahead of George Kittle because Waller is his own island. Like, you got Kelsey, who's a superhuman. Then you've got Waller. And then you can start to think about Kittle and these these other guys. Um, but Waller, I think, deserves his place as, like, the the second tight end unquestioned. Um, he, he's incredible. And I think if you can walk away with him in the third round of a, you know, like a 1QB draft or something like that, you've done well for yourself. I mean, consider that Darren Waller, if he was a wide receiver, finished as one of the top 12 wide receivers last year. That, I mean, that's, that's how good he is. Um, so, like, take him, feel good about your life, um, find yourself some other wide receivers. And the only other thing I would add is just think about the stack opportunity you could have with Waller and Derek Carr. <laughs> like, I mean, like... No, that's the selling point. <laughs> I mean, get get yourself a stack. <laughs> well, I, I know one player that people will not want to add into that stack, and that's Josh Jacobs. Um, so, Zach, why don't you talk to us a little bit about Josh Jacobs? Oh, Josh Jacobs. How how can you draft a starting running back? This 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 will this is over the top and exaggerating, but how do you draft a starting running back this high? Didn't average four yards a carry last year. Only made it into his his high ranking because he got twelve touchdowns, which seems completely unsustainable for him based on just based on his usage, and barely cracked a thousand yards, and yet he's being drafted ahead of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, of Chris Carson, of David Montgomery. 
just just the name of running backs he's going ahead of. I, I I just I just don't see he's being drafted ahead of Darren Waller. He is he, he, we we just talked about how much we love Darren Waller, and uh, according to Sleeper ADP, is going several picks ahead of him. Which I I, I will run <laughs> screaming into the night from Josh Jacobs. And on top of all that, you add Kenyon Drake and pay him eleven million dollars. I, I guaranteed. I, I I just don't see it. And and, and they I, don't like to throw him the ball. <laughs> as no, if, well, as if all yeah, of those that, other that, things were bad. That's enough. the other problem. Yeah, I, I'm with Zach on this one, like, and, and I'm going to take it a step further in that, like, I don't want anything to do with the Raiders' backfield. Um, I mean, we started out this episode talking about the Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon dynamic with the Broncos, and it's like, it feels like that is going to be, if any, like, either Javante Williams starts out as the starter and Melvin Gordon is, is that second backup option, or Melvin Gordon starts out and eventually Javante Williams takes over. You don't have that with the Raiders because essentially you have two veteran running backs who potentially could be the starter or get a majority of the carries every week. Like I don't see this as a situation where John Gruden goes with one guy and the other guy takes a back seat. Like I feel like this is the, the, the worst thing that people who play fantasy football want to hear is they're going to go with the hot hand. Like you don't know who that's going to be on a week-to-week basis, and you might not even know that from a quarter-to-quarter basis. Like, this backfield is going to be maddening for anybody that has Josh Jacobs or even Kenyon Drake. Like, I don't think this gets any any clearer than where we are right now, and, and right now it's we don't know who the, who's going to get the majority of the work. So is it a hot hand approach, or is it the least cold hand approach? <laughs> some food for thought <laughs> yeah yeah well when you have no offensive line and basically trade all of them away like it, it may be who's the healthy hand at that point because they're just going to get blown up in the backfield because mm-hmm. they're not going to have any room to run yeah i mean i'm just thinking with how injured josh jacobs was and i think he finished with what you were alluding to this zach i think it was like 3.7 yards per carry which is just atrocious and, uh, you know, it's well chronicled that Kenyon Drake looked like he was running in mud last year. Um, this is not going to be an awe-inspiring backfield to watch run behind a completely reconstructed offensive line. <laughs> it's, uh, I will, it's ugly. I will say Kenyon Drake's ADP is rising right now, which I, I'm not able to quite figure out why unless people just figured out about the Josh Jacobs uh, crash where he wasn't charged back in January. Um, mm-hmm. I will I will say that if his ADP starts dropping uh, as as we get closer to the season, it becomes clear he's not going to overtake Josh Jacobs. There might be some value to be had there because he works best if he's got somebody else to soak up the heavy punishment. I do think that there might be a little bit of value to be found in Kenny Drake if he drops down to I don't know, running back thirty six or somewhere in that area instead of thirty where he is right now. Nice. So the only positive thing I'll say about Josh Jacobs is if if you can somehow predict a game that the Raiders are going to be ahead early and they're going to potentially win, um, as someone that had a lot of Josh Jacobs last year, Gruden is an old-school coach that wants to pound the rock mercilessly for no apparent reason. Um, and and I, as we saw, like there was no efficiency in that. Um, but 
in games that they were leading early, Jacobs was getting at least 25 carries. And a lot of those happen inside of the red zone, um, which is why he got all those touchdowns. Um, when they fall behind early, like Josh Jacobs basically becomes touchdown or bust because he doesn't catch any passes. And I, there were plenty of weeks that I played Josh Jacobs last year that I was very, very sad. Um, so if he falls far enough in your draft, there's, I certainly wouldn't want anyone to think that there's no value here. Um, but as Zach was pointing out, with where he's going right now, there's plenty of other options for you. Don't do that to yourself. Um, so I'm going to – I'm basically running screaming from all of them, and this is going to just tie into my hot take, so I'll just get into this. Um, <laughs> this, this my, my hot take um, – I think that Gruden is going to quickly realize that this team is an utter disaster. Um, now, we know Gruden loves him some Corona, so I think Gr- Gruden is going to replace the Gatorade coolers with Corona kegs. Um, I think Carr, as he's pointed out recently, he he loves the Raiders, but I don't think the Raiders or Gruden love him back. I think that this one's going to go south quickly, and Carr is going to take the Ricky Sticky Williams route and retire to a nice life of recreational use of cannabis. Um, and I think we're looking at Kadon Slovis, uh, USC's current quarterback, tasked with riding out this dumpster fire with Gruden until the end of his contract, which is apparently still 20 million years from now. Um, so good luck, Kadon Slovis. Uh, may the force be with you. Um, Brandon, what, what's your hot take? Yeah, I mean, we've already talked about this, but um, I believe Derek Carr finishes as a top 15 quarterback this year. So we basically have the same hot take. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And how about you, Zach? Uh, Nathan Peterman starts an actual NFL game for this franchise, (laughs) and it goes about as well as you'd expect. That is awesome. (laughs) Hold on. Before we go any further, can we talk about the fact that, like, the Raiders are basically like the Buffalo Bills JV team? (laughs) Like, Nathan Peterman, Zay Jones, John Brown. like. (laughs) This is basically the the Bills JV team. Yeah. So I mean, I I will say I I legitimately do think that this team finishes last place with ease in the West, um, and as a result, I just can't imagine a world where they're not a top six, top seven pick, right? Like, yeah. I feel like they they're going to be starting over, and it's just wild because normally someone this far into their tenure as a coach. And the team is literally getting worse every year, which is what the Raiders are doing. Like yeah. he get canned, except they can't can him because they're still paying him ten million a year for like the next eighty years. This this is yep. the the worst franchise. I mean, I just uh, and Houston is a franchise, and yet somehow Vegas, I'm like less inspired. I can at least look at the crater that is Houston and say, well, Bob's not there anymore. So like maybe there's a prayer. Gruden, Gruden is still here, and he's going to be here indefinitely. Vegas, uh, at least you have gambling. You got that going for you. <clears throat> Brandon, you forgot uh, you forgot Richie Incognito, too. Oh, yeah. They, they really do have the JV team. Like, they really do have the Bills JV team. Uh, oh, and fun fact, they have Theo Riddick, oh. who surprisingly is still in the league. There you go. There you go. <laughs> like, so maybe it all comes full. It all comes full. So maybe they'll get like, themselves some Joyke Bell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> well, 
Uh, that is our preview of the AFC West. Uh, we certainly hope that you enjoy it. Um, as always, uh, feel free to give uh, Brandon and I a follow as well as the mildly defensive account. Uh, moving forward, we'll be previewing all the rest of the divisions until we get into training camps and all that good stuff. Um, if you haven't gotten a chance, please make sure to rate and subscribe wherever you are listening to our podcast. Uh, and for Zach Kinnicky and Brandon Cross, I'm Matt Jordan. We hope you have a great rest of your week.